When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Swing and a drive, right field and deep. Back goes Aquino, it's got a chance, gone! Get out the tape measure, long gone! Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 70. The PC era has begun. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram. Of course, you can find us on Facebook as well. Or email us, flythew670 at gmail.com. Crowley, this is not the uh, episode 70 I had in mind when we wrapped up episode number 69. Well, you know how they're always advertising those North Shore adult diapers uh, on the on, on the Cubs score <laughs> broadcast. I sure hope they brought a whole bunch of those because the Cubs just crapped themselves in Colorado. Wow, wow, that's a good plug for them. Uh, but yeah, they they sure did. That was uh, really, really, really bad. Really, really, really bad. I'm really upset right now, Crowley. I'll just tell you that. It's going to be even worse, I'm sure, tomorrow with Mully and Haw. But let's get after it. Uh, game number one, Jordan Wicks going. Yeah, lots of good and lots of bad this game. Uh, look, I never want to get negative about a Cubs victory, but right away there was some concerning issues about this series, even though the Cubs got to fly the W. On the positive side, Jordan Wick continues to impress. He threw a second straight quality start, going six innings, giving up three hits, one run, two Ks, and one walk. Like we discussed, he's not a big strikeout guy. Uh, along with the two strikeouts, 11 of the 15 outs he got were on balls hit on the ground. His only blemish was a one run in the first that came off a leadoff double by Charlie Blackman. And then Wicks induced three straight ground outs, which allowed Blackman to kind of just move around and score. Rockies were up one nothing early. But Dustin, it's the offense that still has me concerned. I brought this up in the Arizona series where, you know, I know they faced a couple good pitchers, but trust me, there was a lot of bad in that offense. The Rockies are a last place team, Dustin, and they're 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 nine games under at Coors Field, which is unusual. Usually that team plays good at home and can't play anywhere else. You know, and their starting pitcher, Kyle Freeland, had an ERA over five, right? I was hoping this was going to be the series that the offense would break out, but it didn't happen. The Cubs got their first base runner in the third inning when Jan Gomes let off with a single, followed by singles from Patrick Wisdom and Nick Magical to tie the game at one. But with runners at first and second and no outs, Freeland got Morel to fly out, Nico to line out, and Bellinger to ground out. So they left him off the hook there, and we're going to keep talking about this. Um, to be fair, Char- Charlie Blackman did rob Nico of extra bases on that lineout, but yeah, the result's sure still did. the same. Yeah, he sure did. Uh, Christopher Morel untied it in the fifth with a mammoth 466-foot home run to center. Uh, that was back-to-back homer in some games for Morel, and he had three in his last five games. So it looks like he might be starting to heat up, but eh. Cody Bellinger doubled in the sixth. Seah uh, singled to put runners at the corners, but Danfee would strike out. Seah would advance to second out of wild pitch. So runners at second, third went out for Ian Happ, who has moved down in the order for the second game in a row, but he struck out on a foul tip. 
you know, second and third, Dustin went out. You got to find a way to get the runner home. You can't, you can't strike out there. No, cannot strike out there, especially when you've moved down in the lineup like he has. You would think it's a little, little less pressure, but uh, not so far so good in this situation. Well, luckily, Mr. Clutchian Gomes singled. Bellinger scored easily to make it three to one, and Seah should have scored, but was thrown out of the at the plate. For well, should he have been running though? I mean, I, you say he should have scored. I did. Yeah. Did you, did you like that them being that aggressive at that point? Well, Rick Sutcliffe did a good job describing it on Marquee. He was with Pat um, for the series. He hesitated with two outs. There's no reason to hesitate. It doesn't matter what happens at that point. But once so you, you just, hesitate, once you ha- I and that's what I'm saying. Like once you hesitate, you've got to know I hesitated. You know what so I mean? Just because I'm, just because you should have done the right thing with two outs, and you you and Rick Sutcliffe are right. But we saw that he hesitated, fine, so he should have stopped. Or or the third base coach should have said stop. Stop. You have I, I think Stop. I think the there I think there's the issue of the hesitation. And then I think if he goes for a hook slide, he just went straight into the it was catcher. a lazy it was a lazy slide. It was just yeah. a bad a slide. slide. And, and, yep. and and he was just barely tagged out. He doesn't lazy hesitate. Slide. He has a better slide, then he's he's safe. So I, I don't think that that was wrong, but that's just the beginning of the Cubs base running blunders. Freeland, mediocre pitcher in Colorado with an over five ERA, is able to go six innings, gave up three runs on eight hits. I felt the Cubs should have finished his night early in the third and the sixth, but they couldn't get the big hit. Um, a cool moment did occur, though, Dustin, in the top of the seventh when Mike Talkman led off the inning with a single, and in came Pete Crow Armstrong to pinch run, made his major league debut. Ironically enough, he gets a head nod from Rockies first baseman Chris Bryant, who was once the hot anticipated prospect. Just one of those cool baseball moments where the past meets the future in a way that only those two guys could understand as far as the pressure of being that next big Cubs, you know, hopefully legend. Uh, David Ross put the hit hit and run on and PCA made it to second, but Magic was out at first. Then PCA was uh, thrown out trying to steal third on a great throw by Elias Diaz. Either way, PCA stayed in the game and Cup fans finally got to see his professional debut. Uh, The bottom of the seventh wasn't so cool. Jose Coas came into the game to relieve Jordan Wicks, got the first two batters out, but he would give up a single to Elias Diaz, hit Elahurias Montero with a pitch to put the tying run at first, then gave up a double to pinch hitter Hunter Goodman to make it a 3-2 ball games. Runners at second and third, still two outs, and then Coas gave up a single to Brenton Doyle to put the Rockies ahead for the first time in the game, 4-3. Coas' night was over, and Drew Smiley took over to end the inning. He got out of the inning without further damage behind a strong eighth inning and got the first out in the ninth inning before being pulled. As Andy Martinez of Marquee Network pointed out, Smiley has a 1.69 ERA and 10.2 innings of relief, although he did give up a run today. Down 4-3 to three in the ninth, looking like another game was slipping away. The Cubs got lucky. Dansby Swanson hit one to center field, uh, and it, it hit off Brenton Doyle's glove off the heel of the glove. That would allow Dansby to reach second. Um, for some odd reason, they didn't call it an error. They call <laughs> they call that a double, which I don't know what MLB is doing as far as that. That's an off-season conversation we need to have. But Ian Happ then drew a walk, and with Jan Gomes at the plate, Dansby and Ian ex- execute a risky double steal, both runners safe. I don't know, Dustin, and maybe the afternoon show can find out if that was called by Ross or Swanson decided to go on his own, but it worked. And Jan Gomes hits a single uh, that scores both runners. Cubs retake the lead 5-4. to four. 
There's still zeros out. So Miles Mastroboni comes in as a pinch running for Gomes. Ross had PCA bunt him to second for the first out. My what eyes are rolling. What you think about that? that? <laughs> okay. I was wondering when that happened. Eyes are rolling. I thought of, I thought of you. I thought of you when that if, happened. If, I was, if it was ever to happen, at least I believe PCA could run it out. But still, you know, whatever. Um, magical grounds out. Morel lines out. Big shock. The bunt didn't work. Momentum's on the Cubs side, right? Smiley gets lefty Ryan McMahon for the first out of the bottom of the ninth, but then takes him out to put in Michael Fulmer, who just come off the DL. He walks the first batter he faced, hits the next batter with a pitch. Winning run is now in first with one out, but Fulmer settled down and struck out the next two batters for the W. Thank God for small favors on that one. But the Cubs scored five runs on 12 hits. Jan Gomes was the hero going three for four, three RBIs, including the tying and going head run. The team was four for 11 with runners in scoring position, but two of those, Dustin, were from Jan Gomes. Yeah, uh, Jan Gomes was Mr. Clutch in that game. There's no doubt about that. And listen, boy, as we as we go through this, thank goodness they were able to get done what they got done in that game. Yep, they, were, they, they blew that lead and they almost let it slip away. All right, game number two. Javier Assad, Cubs lead the series one to nothing, and uh, Chris Flexen. The guy that we fully expected the Cubs offense to take full advantage of is on the mound for the Rockies. Yep, the Pete Crow era, Creek Pete Crow Armstrong era, officially began as he got his first start in the major leagues. Didn't take long for him to make an impact in the very first inning with one out and one on. Nolan Jones lines one to the left center, and PCA makes an unbelievable catch to rob Jones of extra bases. Then, in the bottom of the first, Dansby Swanson hit a triple, say a Suzuki singled, and the Cubs are up one nothing. Jan Gomez would single to put the Cubs at the corners, and PCA hit one that went off starter Chris Flexen's gloves. The Rockies were able to get Gomes at second, but definitely not to turn a double play on that. Now with PCA running, say it would score, and the Cubs would lead to nothing. Now, that lead was not going to hold his Javier aside. Of course not. Well, it's not. Two nothing's never not going to be enough. No, not never. Two runs never enough in Colorado. But uh, Javier Assad for the second game had he had trouble with control and 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 you know this is what you worry about when you have these young guys going longer and pitching more than they ever have before. He had to deal with a lot of traffic on the bases in the first inning. The Rockies had two runners on base in the second inning. The Rockies had the bases loaded and would have scored a run if it weren't for a bad base running play on the Rockies' part. And the Rockies had one runner in scoring position in the third. So Assad's on this tight wire act and it ended in the fourth when he let off the inning by giving up a walk hit the next batter, and walk the next batter to load the bases. So here you are in Colorado. Walk, hit the batter, and walk. That's just not going to play. Um, he did get Charlie Blackman to pop up in the infield for the first out, and you're thinking, okay, maybe one more time he's going to get out of it again. But he ran out of luck, and the Colorado Rockies ran into some luck. Chris Bryant up to bat. We talked about him. He was coming off the IL. He couldn't wait three days, but nope, he had to come off the IL for this series. Bases he had it circled on his calendar, Crowley. He had it circled on his calendar. He's a bad, <laughs> he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. I'm not a fan anymore. With Chris Bryant up the bat and the bases loaded, he tried to check his swing and pull the bat back, Dustin. But the ball hit the bat and the ball fell harmlessly over first baseman Cody Bellinger's head. And the game was tied at two with runners at the corners. Ross went with Luke Little to face the Rockies lefties. Nolan Jones then checked his swing and a little roller went to first base. Another run's going to score, and the Rockies are up 3-2. to two. Three RBIs, Dustin, on two oops check swings. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, and then, no luck for the Cubs out in Colorado, <laughs> that's for sure. The Rockies got another gift when Elias Diaz hit a ball, and then second base umpire Brian Walsh screened Nico Horner. He couldn't make the play, so now the, the Cubs were down 4-2. to two. 
So to sum up the inning, two walks, one hit by pitch, two accidental check swing runs, scoring plays, and one screen by the umpire, and the Cubs are down. But Dustin, what really frustrated Cub fans this series was a couple of key base running errors. In the first with two outs, Ian Hab threw a walk, and Cody Bellinger singled but was thrown out at second. Would have been runners at the corners with two outs. Instead, the inning's over. In the second inning with two runs in, Pete C.A. was caught trying to steal second. And then in the fifth, after the Rockies scored four runs to take the lead, Nick Madrigal hits a leadoff double that he tried to stretch into a triple and was thrown out at third. Willie Harris was trying to give him the stop sign. Didn't happen. After Morrell struck out, Nico singled, and that would have scored a run. Um, Dustin, for the second straight night, the Cubs made a mediocre Rocky starter look like an all-star. Flexing went 5.1 innings, gave up nine hits. He issued two walks, so maybe not an all-star, but you couldn't score runs off him, right? He struck out five, but he only gave up two runs. So think about this. Nine hits, two walks. That's 11 base runners in half a game, and you only score two runs on that. Yeah, I'm guessing the uh, runners with scoring, runners in scoring position stats not going to look very good. Nope. A one-out single in the sixth inning knocked him out of the game, and with relief pitcher Jake Bird on the mound, Seiya Suzuki hit a two-run homer, and the game was tied at four. That lead didn't last long as Daniel Palencia came in in the bottom of the sixth, and with one out, he gave up a homer to Chris Bryant. Um, that was the first Chris Bryant homer against the Cubs, and they were now trailing five to four. The Cubs added, the Rockies would add one more run in the seventh to make it six to four, and that was a final. So the Cubs scored four runs on 10 hits, four walks. They were one for four with runners in scoring position, but to me, there were three positive things that stuck out from the game. Number one, Say Suzuki continues his impressive hitting, going three for four with three RBIs. Now, number if you could just two, teach him how to run the bases. Right. And number two, Brad Boxberger returned for the first time since May, and he pitched a scoreless inning. And Pete Crow Armstrong made two sensational catches. We talked about the first one. But the second one, Dustin, to me was the more impressive. I mean, that one, he came out like a streak of lightning on that one and and robbed Nolan Jones for the second time. You had to wonder, Jones had to have been thinking about what he did to piss off PCA. He needed to cover on that one, Dustin, 98 feet in 4.9 seconds. I think the stat I saw was a 97% 97 likelihood that that's a hit. I mean, that's what you're going to have is you're going to have elite elite defense. Yeah. Not so elite at the plate, but we'll get no, into not that yet. Too. Not yet. But uh, you know, that's, that's what you expect with the, I mean, it's not re- It's rare. But how about, how about, how about let's stick with that game for a second. Okay. Let, let's okay. stick, let's stick with that game. What was going on in the, in the, in the top of the ninth inning? Why would he, why would he let Pete Crow Armstrong bat in that situation? Why now today, today we're going to get into game three in a little bit. But why in game two, why do I know that Pete Crow Armstrong should have been pinch hit for in the ninth inning? I think that, you know, a lot of these times you're going to give this guy a shot, roll the dice. And why, see well, are we developing do. players or are we trying to win games? You can't have it both ways. Which one is it? Which well, one is it, David? I, 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 would, that's I know a that's good something question. we're going to talk about, but which <laughs> one is it, right? Uh, you know, on the, on the afternoon or the midday show, we're trying to develop. This isn't the time to develop. We're trying to win games. Oh, but now we have a chance in Colorado – we have already given the guy an opportunity. We took the bat out of his hands the first time. He didn't do well the other times. And now we're going to let him bat in the top of the ninth when we're trying to win a game? Huh? Doesn't make a lot of sense. Very confusing. All right, so that's a wrap of game two. The series is tied 1-1. Jamison Tyone had a really good start last Friday. Unfortunately, they ran into the uh, best pitcher on the Snakes. 
So now he's back out today, and we're hoping that he can put two good starts in a row together. What happened? Yeah, you know, it, it, you're taking a look at, at a last-place Rockies team, and they could not afford to lose their series. Everyone's looking at Tyone. Started off in a good note. Chris Nor- Christopher Morell led off with a double, advancing to third on a single by Nico and scoring on a sack fly to make it one nothing Cubs. Tyone followed that up with a 1-2-3 inning, 2Ks. You're feeling good. The Cubs loaded the bases in the second with one out but could not score a run with PCA struck out and Christopher Morell grounded out. They were able to cash in some runs in the third, Nico and Cody let off with singles, and Dansby doubled the score. Nico and the Cubs were up 2-0. Saya hit a sack fly to make it 3-0. But with Swanson on third and only one out, Ian Happ popped to second, and Patrick Wisdom flied out. That's runs that you left on the board right there, Dustin. Yeah. Um, the Rockies got on the board in the bottom of the fourth when Tyone walked Bryant with one out. Elioris Montero flied out, but with two outs, Ryan McMahon hit one that PCA lost in the sun. The inning continues the runners at first and third. And Ezekiel Tovar made the Cubs pay with a single to make it three to one. Dustin, we talked a lot of times about stepping on the throat of your opponent and how the Cubs would sometimes score early and then not again for the rest of the game and how that's just not a good recipe, but it is even worse when you're playing in the high altitude of Coors Field. And that is exactly what happened. They scored three early and nothing the rest of the game. No. And again, we talked about it in the talking about the second game. Three runs, two runs. That's not going to get it done. You got to get at least five. You got to get at least five every time in Colorado, or your chances of winning are probably 50-50. Now, in the bottom of the fifth, the wheels fell off the Cubs with one out. Austin wins singled, and then Nolan Jones. (laughs) Nolan Jones, who was robbed of extra base, hits twice the game before by PCA, put one where no one could catch it, 452 feet in left center. Game was tied at three. Tyone got the next batter out for the second out of the inning, but with Chris Bryant at bat, KB hit one deep to left center. Hap was there, but at the last second, he looked, I think, at PCA, who was backing up the play behind him, and the ball popped out of his glove. Ian is charged with the air, and the next batter, Elahuris Montero, homeward to put the Rockies up 5-3. Tyone would finally get out of the inning, but the damage was done. He went five innings. He gave up five runs, Dustin, but only three were earned. Because of these errors, the two errors, you could honestly, Dustin, say that out of the three runs, the three earned runs, it should only be two because Pete Crow should have made that play in center. So it really was like two earned runs right. and, and and seven hits and five Ks, one walk. And, and he's got to learn. He's going to learn the parks. He's going to learn the sun in different parks. Yeah. I mean, it's all part of it's all part of the learning process. But again, are we developing players or are we trying to win games? Kind of hard to do both at the same time, in my opinion. Right. My, I, I, my, we'll, we'll talk about that. But Hayden Wesniski would give up one run in 1.1 innings of work. Smiley gave up one run, a home run in 0.2 innings of work. Brad Boxberger pitched another scoreless inning. The Cubs had one last chance down 7-3 to three in the top of the eighth with, when they loaded the bases with one out. But Jan Gomes and Christopher Morell, two guys with plenty of clutch hits, both flied out. The Cubs scored three runs on 11 hits, three for 12 with runners in scoring position. They left 11 Man on base, Dustin. Just sickening. Absolutely I mean, sickening. It was pathetic. This is a Rockies team, Dustin, that lost 17 of their last 20 games. They are 40 games under 500. Let me re- repeat that right there. 40 games under 500, and you completely embarrassed yourselves. 
Dustin, all losses count the same if they happen in April or September or whatever. But if the Cubs do not make the postseason, I promise Cub fans will remember this Colorado series. Yeah, this is one you can circle, right? We talk about circle games, right? And uh, ugh, what a just a ugh, just just a terrible, terrible effort. I, I I just wonder is you know is the excuse going to be that they're out of gas? Is that is that what it? Because they played a ton of games. They played thirteen. They played 13 days in a row, I believe. Right. So oh, is, yeah. is that, is that, a, is that, a, is that an excuse in your opinion? Well, if that, if, if that's the issue that you feel, then why didn't you start uh, Alexander Canario, who I think is on a, on the side of a milk carton? You, yeah. you couldn't, you couldn't give anybody a day off even when you're playing double headers. Right. Uh, right. I, I mean, I was, I was surprised. I was surprised that PCA started today. I thought he would get the day off. And if they were in a position in the seventh inning, let's say, to hold on to a lead that then we would see him out there. I mean, it's a huge outfield in Denver. I get you it. saw, I get you it. saw all the plays that he made. There's no way no one else. Bellinger's a little nicked up. Talkman doesn't make half those plays. So it could have been way worse. I am not that upset with the situation of playing him. I'm, I don't think he wanted to. I think his hand was kind of forced to be honest. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 70, the PCA era. It's here, Crowley. It has begun. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. In this segment, Crowley talks to Sam Widernhalf, play-by-play announcer of the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, to talk about the birds playing in the postseason. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have our good friend, play-by-play announcer for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, Sam Wiederhoff. How are you doing, Sam? Crawley, I'm great, man. Uh, the sun is shining in Myrtle Beach. Great weather still. I know we're getting close to fall and the season is coming out to an end, but uh, all, all good here in, in Myrtle Beach. But the reason, Sam, that I wanted to have you on, if people aren't paying attention, and you should, you should follow Myrtle Beach and you should follow Sam on social media, is that the Pelicans are the first of the Cubs affiliates to be in the postseason this year. Um, They punched their ticket to the postseason by winning the first half of the season with a record of 39 and 26. Second year in a row, the Myrtle Beach won the Carolina League South Championship. I was there, Sam, when they, I wasn't at the game, but I was in Myrtle Beach when they won. I had gone to a couple games right beforehand. And, uh, you know, it's just a good vibe. And, 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 you know, it was just a fun first half. It really was. Um, you know, we've been waiting for these playoffs for a while because we win that first half championship in the middle of June. And, you know, you, know, you got to wait July, August, and then the middle of September to finally get here. But now the playoffs are here. And, uh, I mean, yeah, the fans are showing up. It's going to be a packed house for our home game tomorrow. And, um, you know, the, the guys are ready. Um, like I said, they've been waiting for this for a while. We've got a lot of new players coming in with those draft picks in the middle of July, now getting to Myrtle Beach and have been here for, you know, about a month and a half. But, um, yeah, it's it's a super fun time and uh, really just looking forward to uh, to Thursday night and that that first home playoff game. Oh, absolutely. Now, you know, it's a great thing that you have when you have a good team and they win the first half. But then, you know, as, as far as the minor leagues are concerned, you know, they're promoted, which is yeah. the whole point. It's what you want to see. Um, you know, which players that were promoted after they clinched, do you, did you feel we're going to have a lot of success at uh, South Bend? Well, I think it's pretty clear Moises Ballesteros was uh way above this level um, in terms of talent. I mean, he was just put, he was working great at bats. He was great behind the plate, had a ton of power. And uh, you could just tell that bat was going to play in high A. And you just saw that now with his recent promotion to double A Tennessee. That's where he's going to finish out the year. Um, he was just way, 
uh, just overmatching people um, and way more mature than what his age, uh, you know, shows at 19 years old. So uh, he was a player that, that really stuck out. And then Felix Stevens as well, because Felix um, had provided most of our power. He had 13 home runs that led the team in the first half. Um, and so you could tell that he was ready for that, ready for that next level. And he's kept that, those, those power numbers going in high A with South Bend. You know, it was his second full year in Myrtle Beach. He had spent all of last year with us and then the first half here this year and um, just made a ton of, of really good improvements. And his bat was just uh, a totally different thing from last year to this year. So you can kind of tell that he was going to uh, still keep that success going at the higher level. And uh, he definitely did that. I was a little bummed to see Michael Arias finish the year on the IL. I mean, he had such a good season and he I was so impressed by him when I was at Myrtle beach, but uh, another guy who I think he had a, he was involved in a combined no hitter up at uh, South bend. Yeah. He just had an electric arm um, and just a, a really high velocity fastball that was just uh, mowing down hitters and just kind of came out as, as, as a surprise because he was with us at the end of the very end of last year and got a little bit of time. Um, and then not too many expectations coming into this year and just took off right when, uh, right when opening day happened, he just, uh, really had a meteoric rise and, um, yeah, unfortunately ending this year on the IL, but was able to do some good things in South Bend and, uh, can't wait what, can't wait to see what 2024 has in store for him. Absolutely. Now, you know, the thing is, is that you lose all these great players. Like you lose your entire pitching staff, your catcher, you know, outfielders, all these, you're losing all these guys here and you're thinking, okay, well, the second half is going to be a letdown. But even though all those players got promoted that we discussed, you finished the second half second behind Char the Charleston river dogs. And it wasn't by that many games. No, it was uh, like you said last year. I mean, it was, it was totally different last year. We had a, um, a really, really strong first half and won that title. And then the second half, the month of August was just tough and we slipped a lot. But this year we were right there with Charleston for that second half championship and ended up um, falling behind by only three games when it was all said and done in the second half. But uh, yeah, just got a lot of really impactful players out of the, out of the draft. Uh, Brian Calmer was an 18th round pick um, out of Gonzaga by the Cubs this year. And he gets to us August 1st and ever since then has just continued to produce i mean he's hit 10 home runs um in the last month and a half and driven in about 40 runs his ops is over a thousand i mean he's just been a huge player for us down the stretch in this second half and then you talk about guys like brett bateman who's been our leadoff hitter that just has a knack for getting on base he walks more than he strikes out and has great contact skills um, jonathan long has provided some huge home runs he was a ninth round pick out of long beach state bateman was an eighth round pick but uh, just some guys that have gotten here and, uh, you know, just hasn't hasn't really taken a long time for them to adjust to professional baseball. They just get in right to single A and um, just make a, an impact right away. So those kind of players helped us have a, a really successful second half. We had a winning record and, um, you know, now have taken that momentum into the playoffs. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing for people that may not be familiar with the minor leagues is these guys get promoted, they go to South Bend, and then the new draft picks after some time in the Arizona Complex League make their way to Myrtle Beach. And, and like you said, they just really didn't miss a beat this time around. Um, so now you guys are in the postseason. You played your first game against uh, the River Dogs in Charleston. So it was an away game. Uh, and Jackson Ferris was on the mound, correct? Yeah, yeah. Ferris started that first game. and. Um, went just over four innings. It gave up two earned runs early, but was able to really settle in in innings three and four and ended up having a pretty solid start. And then we had uh, great relief appearances from Cohen Moreno, who kept the River Dogs at two runs. Um, Angel Hernandez followed him and kept the score the same. And 
uh, just kind of struggled. We lost two to one in that first game and just kind of struggled to have some timely hitting. Um, you know, we had the bases loaded and back-to-back innings and ended up only getting one run out of it. Um, and it was just uh, – Charleston really brings a lot of fans. It was a it was a crazy environment, you know, a sellout crowd, and everyone's wearing white T-shirts as they try and win their third straight Carolina League championship. Um, and so th- th- those fans were fired up for that first playoff game. But we get the boys back to Myrtle Beach on Thursday night, um, and that game's going to be on marquee. And I'm, I'm really excited for that one because we've been playing really, really well at home uh, to finish out the regular season. And I think having the guys back at Pelicans Ballpark is – is really going to make a difference. Oh, absolutely. Such great fans. And and the thing that excited me, Sam, it's on Thirsty Thursdays. Where Are you guys going to be wearing the pirate uniform? It's a good question, man. I don't know. I, I think for the playoffs, we might be doing our, our normal set of uniforms. Um, but if we were smart, we might, might want to wear the pirate uniforms because I think we were six and three or six and two as the pirate Pelicans this year. Um, so it's a, it's a winning uniform, but I think we might just be doing the, might be doing the primaries for the, uh, for the postseason. Winning uniform, and then you have the blackout and all the fans come out. I'm telling you, Sam, I got some ideas here. But uh, who is going to be on the mound for Myrtle Beach tomorrow? Have we have we found out just yet? Yeah, so we're going to have uh, Jackson Ferris's uh, high school teammate at ING Academy, the lefty Drew Gray, is going to be on the mound for the Pelicans. And Drew um, has been on some limits this year. You know, he's coming off of Tommy John surgery last year, didn't pitch at all. Um, and finally is, is tasting some full season baseball and hasn't really gone all that long. So um, I'm not sure what the limit is on him with his start tomorrow, but it, I think it might be more of a bullpen game for us, but you know, Drew's been off and on. Um, he's had some really, really lockdown starts and the, the way that he started his Pelicans career was really strong. His first nine innings, three starts, didn't give up a run, um, then kind of ran into some trouble, but Drew's been starting to figure some things out as the, uh, as the season goes on. And, just super excited to see him um, in the limelight tomorrow and that, that Thursday night start for the first home playoff game. And for everybody that's watching on marquee, what, what are some things that people should be looking for when they watch this team uh, tomorrow night? Well, hopefully you'll be looking for some power. Um, this, this Pelicans team led the Carolina league in home runs. We were the only team over 100 home runs on the year. And our OPS was also the best in the Carolina league. So the lineup was definitely the specialty Um especially in that second half. And, and like I said before, there was no dip from the first half to the second half. I mean, the momentum just continued. Um, this team just won ball games, and the lineup uh, is really, really what carried this team. And we also had, you know, we had eight walk-off wins on the year. And I think five or six of those were in the second half of the season. This team has a knack for making dramatic moments late in games and being able to come back. And that's how our our regular season finished last Sunday um, against Columbia. We were down by four runs at one point, ended up coming back and had a walk-off double by Pedro Ramirez, who's been awesome for us down the stretch. So, uh, you know, this team falls behind early. Don't panic because uh, the, the lineup can certainly keep this this team in games and hopefully the pitching shows up and uh, the bullpen's able to hold it down. So I'm super excited. It's going to be a really fun game. Pelicans and uh, Charleston River Dogs, an in-state rivalry. The two teams only separated by about – two hours. Um, so it, it'll be a fun one. Fans are going to be here and uh, I'm excited to call it. And uh, are you going to be calling it on your own or is Marquis sending anyone down or you got this, you got this, right? Uh, yeah, I got it. Yeah, no, it'll be me and John Cummings and John usually comes on for, uh, for armory marquee games. He's a, uh, he's a local guy. So I love working with him and um, yeah, no, I mean, playoff baseball, you always kind of get the jitters a little bit, um, especially last night in Charleston, I was calling that game on the radio and just looking around and, and seeing all the people, you just get excited. You know, it's just a different 
it's a different feel. It's a different environment. Um, but I couldn't be more excited for it. And I know that uh, Myrtle Beach fans are going to show up and support their team. When you call a playoff game, do you kind of go through the same routine you try to always do, or do you kind of switch things up a little bit different? Well, I, I've, I've, I've called a few. Um, I've called, gosh, three or four in my lifetime. Um, so it hasn't really been a lot. But the tone is definitely different. When I went on the air uh, last night, it was, you know, less, okay, let's, you know, let the game breathe and let's, you know, tell a story about a player or something. And it's more of kind of what's happening in the moment um, and just making things dramatic. I mean, last night was a 2-1 game. You know, it was uh, the largest lead for Charleston was two runs and it was close all the way through. And, um, you know, we had the tying run on base in the ninth inning and, you know, almost were able to come back. So, it was a very, uh, very dramatic game. So I'm always trying to make, you know, kind of play things up and make things um, – trying to capture the moment is kind of what I'm trying to say and um, make everybody feel like feel like they're there and feel like it's, uh, you know, what that playoff feel is. So, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit different of a call. Um, but, man, I, it's, it's really exciting. I mean, playoff baseball, you can't get any better than that. And so it will be on Marquee tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern, correct? That's correct, yes. So for anyone listening local, Chicago time, 6 p.m. on Marquee. They can also stream the games, correct? Yeah, you can go to uh, MILB TV. You can do that. You can do Valley Live. We also have an audio stream on our website, MyrtleBeachPelicans.com. There's uh, just a ton of ways to, to be able to watch this one. So there's no Cubs game tomorrow. And, and right now, the way the Cubs are playing, I, I, I want to. I need a little change up here. So I think, I think everyone should tune in to watch uh, the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. Hear Sam's call. Uh, Sam, where can everybody follow the Pelicans and yourself on social media? Yeah, we're all over social Twitter at Pelican Baseball, Instagram at Pelicans Baseball, Facebook, Myrtle Beach Pelicans, YouTube, TikTok. We got everything. Um, and our, our production team is really doing a good job of, uh, you know, hyping these playoff games up. We've got a ton of cool stories coming out and, and great videos as well. So check us out there. Uh, me on Twitter, I'm at Sam underscore Weederhaft, Instagram at Weederhaft, and I'm always retweeting Pelican stuff and all that. So. You can interact with me on that. But, uh, Crawley, dude, appreciate you having me on to talk playoff baseball. <laughs> Absolutely. I love playoff baseball anytime. I love the Pelicans. I'll be wearing my, uh, I will be wearing my gear while watching the game. And, and we'll have you back to kind of recap the entire season, kind of give us a little bit more. But I just wanted to have you on. I definitely want to talk about you being interviewed by Buddy Bailey. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot to talk about there, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, thanks for joining us, and good luck with the call tomorrow, and, and, and give our best to the team, all right? Yes, sir. Appreciate it, Crawley. This is Season 2, Episode 70 of the Fly the W670 Podcast. The PC era is upon us. All right, Crowley, let's talk about the standings right now after the Cubs drop two of three to the Rockies out in Colorado. Yep, the Milwaukee Brewers in first place, 81 and 63. The Cubs are now 78 and 69. And with that, they dropped to 4.5 games out of the central dust. And yes, they have three left against the Brewers in Milwaukee, but that's starting to look worse and worse now. Cincinnati, 75, 71. They're seven games back. And then Pittsburgh and St. Louis are pretty are toast so we won't worry about that but <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> yeah hey you know what I, I gotta i gotta get my little uh i gotta get my little dig in yeah no doubt and the wild card here right now the cubs are waiting some results um philadelphia is in that first wild card spot 79 and 66 they're 3.5 games up on the pack the cubs are 1.5 games up holding on at the moment 
Arizona wins, it gets down to one game. Arizona's in the third and final wild card spot. And then Cincinnati, Miami, and San Francisco are all knocking on the door. Cincinnati one out, Miami 1.5 out, and San Francisco out of that last wild card spot. If the postseason started today, Arizona would take on Milwaukee, the Cubs would take on the Phillies, and then the Cubs would, whoever won between the Cubs and Phillies, would have the pleasure of taking on Atlanta. Yeah, that's why it's important to try to win that division. But at this stage of the game, I think the focus should be trying to take uh, the Phillies so that you could have some games at Wrigley Field in the postseason. Yeah, that's there's 15 games left. And so you're going to, like I said, I mean, the Brewers just don't lose. I mean, the right. Brewers at this point just do not lose. Well, I'm glad you brought the Brewers up because in a move that has big implications, the NL Central, yes, Big Daddy, Steve Cohen, and the Mets got their man. David Stearns was hired as the president of baseball operations. He will officially take over the regular season uh, once the regular season is over. Stearns has been instrumental in the Brewers' success the last few years. And you, were, you saw the Brewers kind of coming up even when the Cubs had the, those good teams with Javi and, and, and Chris Bryant and Rizzo. He was first named the Brewers GM at the end of 2015. And in a few short years, he took a small market, small budget Brewers to the postseason for four consecutive seasons from 2018 to 2021. The big question, Dustin, now is Craig Council. Will he follow Stearns to the Mets, stay with Milwaukee, or manage a different team? Dustin, I know the answer to this. Would you want him to manage the Cubs? No. I would take him in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. You, you, you can have him. I don't I, like I would him. literally I like pull the jet. I don't like his pouty face all the time. <laughs> hey, you know what? If we're winning, then you're then I don't have a pouty face. And that's what I've seen. That's what I've seen him constantly do is win with teams. The, look at the budgets between the Cubs and the Brewers. Look at the difference. I get and, it. And, and, and I'm just telling you, man, why why does why do they keep winning, Dustin? We keep talking about it. the Brewers don't lose. Why is that? Look at their roster. Look at their roster. Who do you want on that roster that you'd say I'd rather have them than the Cubs? But guess what? They're in first place, and, and you're about that, – that ship is just about sailed for you. Yeah, just about, just about. I hope he ends up in New York with the Mets. That's what I'm hoping. Interesting story came out this week was that Dansby and Mallory Swanson bought Theo Epstein's Lake – my buddy Theo Epstein. I hung out with him in the bleachers. Yeah, I told Lake that View. story on the air the other day. <laughs> His Lakeview Mansion for $3.5 million a few weeks ago. Uh, some minor league postseason news you heard with the interview with Sam. The, the Pelicans lost their first game of the Southern Division Championship, 2-1 to the one to the Charleston River Dogs in the best of three series. They'll play again on Thursday night in Pelican Park. On Tuesday night, the Tennessee Smokies clinched the second half title. They will be playing postseason baseball as well. And a guy that has gone through Myrtle Beach and Tennessee, Justin Steele, he was in a new poll released today. Uh, by MLB is leading the Cy Young votes from their panel of experts. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that is very interesting. Very interesting uh, report there. All right. There's been a bunch of roster moves we got to go through. Yeah. Monday was the big one. Michael Fulmer was activated from the 15 day IL and Cubs put closer Edward Alzalay on the 15 day IL retroactive to nine ten with a forearm strain. Fulmer was returning from the same injury. Justin Steele spent some time on that with the IL uh, we talked about how Al Alzali didn't look right. And this goes back to when Alzali blew the save against Milwaukee at the end of August. And then he blew another one against the Reds on Friday, September 1st. They gave him a week off, see if he could recover. He pitched back-to-back -back appearances against the Diamondbacks last weekend. I was there, and, and we talked about this. I just said he didn't look good, and, and that's what Alzali himself had to say. He said it was just to the point where I wasn't making a lot of competitive pitches out there. 
So hopefully he comes back soon. But the other big news on Monday was the promotion of Pete Crow Armstrong. Alexander Canario was optioned to Iowa. PCA, obviously, the Cubs' number one ranked prospect in their minor league system, brings an amazing glove. The, the scouts rate it at the highest that you possibly can, 80 grade on the glove, elite speed on the bases. Canario did not have to catch a bus back to Iowa as infielder Jaime Candelario was put on the 10-day IL with a lower back strain. We noticed that Candelario was on the not list when we talk about our hots and nots, but uh, I'm sure that some of the struggles of the plate are related to that back injury. He exited the game on Sunday in the fifth inning versus the D-backs. When his back started bothering him, the move is not retroactive, Dustin. So he is not eligible to play until September 22nd. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens there. Um, I think it, they they really want to get him 100%. I think that's the goal. I think if if he had to play a game right now, I think he could play. But I think they want to take their time with him. Right. And Marcus Stroman threw a bullpen. We'll throw a bullpen today. I don't know. We don't know the results of that. Um, he'll get a. He's on a five game schedule now, so trying to get him back into the rhythm of a starter. But Tommy Hadovy was on the Mully and Haw show today, as he is every other Wednesday, to update Cup fans on Strowman and his role moving forward. Dustin, what did Tommy have to say this morning? I thought it was interesting. He said that he was open to any role that would help the team. I found that very interesting. Happy to hear that because I did not think a bullpen role was something that would fit uh, what he wants to do. So I'm happy to hear that uh, Strowman is open to doing anything and everything he can to help this team win. And it looks right now like they could use him. Very curious to see what happens. So today when we're recording, this is a day off tomorrow's Thursday. When this gets released, they play the three games against the snakes. Then they'd get a day off on Monday. And will there be any kind of shuffling of the, you know, will they go to a four man rotation? Is somebody going to get skipped? Is Tyone going to get skipped? Is Assad going to get skipped? Very interesting to see what happens the next time around in this uh, rotation. Absolutely. And, and another thing to keep an eye out is what you were talking about uh, on the afternoon show, David Ross was on and talking about playing the young guys talking about playing PCA. And this is what he had to say. I'll, I'll give, I got the clip right here and, and uh, give it a listen. And, and it's a little controversial to go back to, to Pete being called up. Obviously like his profile says that he's got the potential to be a really great defensive center fielder. I, I know that you've already got one of those, but he also plays a little bit of first base for you. How do you see this playing out with trying to make sure that you you get what you need and Pete gets what he needs, but also keeping in mind you guys are trying to win a division in here? Yeah, we're not developing players right now. We're trying to win games. And uh, Pete's skill set, like I said before, is, is a is a real value um, in, in these big outfields we're going we're gonna to have. Uh, Pete will get some at bats, you know. I think he'll he'll come in for defensive purposes at times. Uh, you know, gives us the flexibility of having Mike Talkman to insert him in pitch hit, hit situations like we did last night, uh, and he came through with a big at bat. Um, I think that's just you know we've got uh, more roster talent now uh, and able to implement you know Pete's legs, stolen bases. Uh, he's got some things he's still got to learn and grow. Uh, so there are going to be some. Some growing pains, uh, like we, you know, last night gets thrown out at third. You know, some little little things that we got to clean up with him. But um, you know, he's an exciting young man out there trying to take advantage of, of his skill set, and we'll try to try to um, curtail that to help us win ball games in the middle of, of of competing night in and night out. To go back, so Dustin, kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth. It, here, it, that's what I heard. We got to we got to we got to take advantage of his speed in Colorado with these big. 
uh, outfields, but we also are developing players. Okay. All right. Look, Dustin, you know, I know it's not hard, but you can pat your head and rub your belly at the same time. It's not that <laughs> difficult, man. You literally have how many coaches out there? Uh, Pete is a guy that loves instruction. He loves people to tell him what to do. He doesn't want people kissing his butt. And I'm just telling you right now, why can't you develop and play guys at the same time? I know it seems hard. What is Mike Talkman hitting in the last month, Dustin, in the last 30 games? Do you know? Not that great. 188. That's okay. not very good. So, so you're telling me you, you know, and this was a week after uh, David Ross was on the show saying, uh, we're going to go with the guys that got us here. Really? Yeah. So if somebody's better, if somebody, you know, you can't be with Jordan Wicks, you got to give it to back to Drew Smiley because he got you there. Is that what we're doing? Why can't, if somebody's playing good, why wouldn't you play them? The outfield again in Colorado is huge. Do I think PCA should start every day? No, I think they should kind of play it smart and see which matchups work the best. But if you're telling me that you can't do it because Mike Talkman got you here, nobody knew Mike Talkman's name in Chicago other than in Palatine before the season started. So don't, don't give me that. That's a, that's a bunch of garbage. When you're talking about a prospect that is this good, Arizona called up their big prospect who isn't hitting that much already last against the Cubs. Okay. That's what teams do. You're going to sit there. You sat there and you wasted, you wasted Canario. I would, I would put him down right now. There's no point in him being here because he's basically had a week off, but he hasn't hit in like two, three weeks. I don't even know how long it's been. It's been ridiculous. So just call him, put him down now. It's pointless. But you sat there, and, and, and what you have to do in the dog days especially, when you do have those long games, is you have to find opportunities for these young guys to play. Take the older guys and, and that are beat up. They're Nick. They have been playing for a while. Talkman's not an everyday player. Bellinger's beat up. These guys have played a lot. Give them a breather and let the young guys get a chance and see what you have there. I'm not saying them play every day. This is not 2022 Cubs. This 2023 yeah. Cubs, but you have to be smart about this. And anybody that knows the history of the Cubs know that there's a, been a lot of, of, of failures in the postseason or failures to get to the postseason because you couldn't give guys a day off when you had an opportunity. Well said, Crowley. Well said. I think uh, I agree with everything you just said. Very, very good. Spot on. And uh, I think the day off is coming uh, at the right time for the Cubs. So let's get into it. Thursday's an off day. Friday, the uh, Cubs at the uh, snakes, as you like to call them. I like when you called them that. And uh, <laughs> this is now a bigger series than we even thought after dropping two or three to the Rockies. Right. You know, the Cubs offensive struggles started against the rock against the D backs. That's when you saw them lose three of four and those, you know, Assad pitched well, but was charged with the loss. Cubs couldn't figure out rookie Ryan Nelson and the Cubs lost game one, six to two. Game two, so that's only two runs off a guy that you know a rookie that was just called up from the minors after being demoted. Uh, Zach Gallion, you know, Tyone pitched a great, great, great game in game two, but Zach Gallion pitched a complete game shutout, the first of his career. The Cubs lost one nothing, and then the team had another pitcher's duel as Justin Steele pitched seven innings of one run ball, but Merrill Kelly and the D backs pen limited the Cubs to one run, and this game went to the extra with the Arizona's going two in the tenth and the Cubs going on to lose that one three to two. So, Dustin, in those five runs, they scored – in those 28 innings, those first three games, they scored only five runs, right? But they were able to prevent the sweep behind a good start by Kyle Hendricks and three home runs in the third by Burrell, Bellinger, and Swanson. They took the finale 5-2. to two. They're, The D-backs are currently playing the Mets in a four-game series. They split the first two. They're playing tonight, so that's going to affect the wild card race. But they're also playing tomorrow. The good news for the Cubs, if – 
probables go according as how they're supposed to. Zach Gallen is pitching tonight, and Merrill Kelly is pitching tomorrow. Perfect. And so the Cubs will not Perfect. have to face any of their big guns in this series coming up. Yeah. But that's, that's that, big. Is, that's big. Is, is it going to matter against this offense right now? I don't know. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, that's why they play the games. And the uh, Cubs have their probably three best pitchers right now throwing in the games coming up Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You could not line this up any better, Dustin, than what you have here. You have a truly an opportunity uh, to to put to you know get back on track. You got Justin Steele starting the game on Friday. He is sixteen and three with the two forty nine ERA. He leads the ML, uh, NL in ERA. He, like I said, top candidate for Cy Young. Seven innings, one earned run in the last game, no decision. Eight innings, zero earned run against San Fran. He got the win, and he got the win against Milwaukee in eight twenty nine. Six innings, six hits he gave up, but zero earned runs. He is going up against. Brandon Pafadzid, whatever, however you pronounce or say that name. I don't even care at this point. But let me just say this, Dustin. They they couldn't hit him last time. And so that that, that has me a little bit nervous. And if you remember with Brandon Pafadzid, he, he <laughs> didn't start. They went with an opener. They said they were going to start him, and they went with an opener against the Cubs. So he did not start that game. He went six innings, gave seven hits, four earned runs. He, that was sort of the three solo home runs. Um, and then the game before that was in Colorado. He went 3.2 innings, gave up six hits, three earned runs. And against the Dodgers, he went four innings, gave up eight hits and five earned runs. So this guy is not an elite starter, but neither were any of the guys you faced in Colorado. No, not at all. And Cubs, uh, you know, if, if it plays out, listen, Justin Steele keep you in a ball game. So, but yeah, they got it. You know, let's, we got crooked numbers, right? Three, four, five runs, please Cubs. Kyle Hendricks takes them out on Saturday. He is six and seven with the 3.71 ERA. He just keeps you in games. Um, Arizona on 9.10, he went 5.2 innings, gave up seven hits, two earned runs. Against San Francisco on 9.5, he went 5.1 innings, gave up seven hits, four earned runs. And against Milwaukee on 8.30, he went six innings, gave up four hits, zero earned runs. So he always gives you a solid outing. You know, it, it's. It's, you know, hopefully he can continue to do so, and he's going to have to do so against his former teammate, Zach Davies, who, God, I don't know what it is, Dustin. Sometimes you just, there was just guy, for whatever reason, the guy just didn't, I didn't get along. I didn't like him that much when he pitched with the Cubs. Uh, he's two and five with a 681 ERA um, against the Mets on 9-11. He went four innings pitch, gave up three earned runs. Against Colorado on 9-6, he went three innings and gave up five earned runs. Against Baltimore, he went six innings and only gave up one earned run. So, you know, you know what he is, but I, I just worry because the Cubs seem to struggle against, like, these soft tossers to contact. That seems to be an issue. All right. I'm trying to stay positive, buddy. I'm trying to stay positive. Oh, it's hard after a day like today. Isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that takes us to game three, Jordan Wicks. I mean, this guy has really, really just been – I mean, you got to say that if the playoffs started tomorrow, you have to think he'd be in the rotation, right? Yes, yes. If it was tomorrow, yes, I would have Three. him go. I would have him go before Assad, and I'd have him go before Tyon. Right, and so he's three and zero against Cincinnati on nine one. He went five innings, gave up one earned run. Against San Francisco on nine six, he went six point two and gave up two earned runs. And against Colorado, he went six innings and only gave up one run. So this guy has been doing everything and more. He has really. You know, he doesn't seem overwhelmed to be in a playoff chase. No, 
Mm-mm, not at all. No. And I think part of that, it's the youth, right? I think part of it is the fact that he probably doesn't know any better right this second. So that's a good thing, right? Yeah. And, you know, he, and he, he, again, he's a, he's, he's a guy with a, he's a, he's a good draft, you know, first round draft pick. He's a guy who's pitched in tough games before. So I think, you know, mentally, I think he's in good shape. Yep, absolutely. So that gets us to the prediction time, Crowley. Or, no, sorry. Let's go hot and not before prediction. So uh, Tommy Pham, we know, super hot for the uh, <laughs> for, for the uh, Snakes. He, uh, I think he was on the cold list going into that series. He came off red hot. Yeah, yep, yep. For the Cubs, though, look at Nico Horner right now, 12 for 30, um, hitting four, slash and 400, 419, 458. Dansby Swanson is one of those hot streaks, 11 for his last 28 with a home run and four RBIs. He is slashing 393, 414, 643. On your knots, uh, take a look at uh, Ian Happ right now. He is, he's one of those guys that got you there, right? Three for his last 25, slashing 120, 211, 160 in his last seven games. You cannot do that. Christopher Morrell, four for his last 20, but at least he has some slug, two home runs, two RBIs. He's slashing 200, 278. One thing to kind of keep an eye on, Dustin, uh, Cody Bellinger right now is seven for his last 28 with a home run and four RBIs, but he's slashing 250, 241, 383. He has been carrying this team and somebody else has got to step up and it can't just be on Gomes. I mean, come on now. Yeah. Somebody else has to step up. And uh, I never thought we'd get to the point where we would see Cody Bellinger on this uh, not list. He's kind of in the in between. He's lukewarm, but right. he's been so hot that he's really just been driving the Cubs offense and kind of, you know, uh, you know, kind of putting lipstick on a pig, so to speak. You know what I mean? Making mm-hmm. things look better than they really were. You mentioned Tommy Pham for Arizona. He's nine for his last 27 with three home runs, Dustin, and five RBIs. He's slashing 338, 367, 741 slug. And Kettle Marte, who also we saw do damage in Wrigley, six for his last 20 with the home run, five RBIs. He's slashing 300, 364, and 600 on the knot. Um, you know, Christian Walker at first, he's struggling two for his last 24. Now, Alec Thomas in 20 is their center fielder. He's three for their last 15. And the one guy I told you about, Jordan Lawler, he wasn't one of their top prospects, is one for 13. It's not easy, but guess what? He plays some really good short base, short, some shortstop, and he's a really good runner. So that's why he's in this race as well. All right. Prediction time, Crowley. Here we go. I'm going to go first. I'm going to stay positive. I'm going to say two of three. This is a really big series because the snakes are right behind them. The snakes want to get into the postseason, but uh, I'm going to say with the uh, pitching matchups, I think it favors the Cubs. I'm going to say two out of three. It does, but here's the thing. The Cubs don't play good in Colorado and they don't play good in Arizona. I hate it when they play in, in uh, probably the other stadium I'd throw in there is Miami. To me, those three places are just like horrible to even think about. I'm, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to say two out of three. I'm going to say the steel start and the wick start are the ones that I like. All right. Very good. Well, that's a wrap of episode number 70 of season two. The PCA era has begun. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, you can email us, flythew670 at gmail.com. And now you can watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 to score YouTube channel. Crowley, yeah, have guys. a wonderful weekend, all right? Yeah, we're going to try to watch this one off. Don't forget to watch the uh, Myrtle Beach Pelicans and our friend Sam Wiederhoff as they play on Marquee tomorrow. Cheer, go Pelicans and go Cubs. It's all over.